Are you ready for God's word? It's baptism weekend, and I am ready to preach this word. It has been, uh, I've been wrestling it out for a few weeks, and, uh, and so I am ready, and I've got a great word for next week, too. And so just because it's Memorial Day, Jesus still comes to church. He, he'll probably be at the lake because God is everywhere, um, but he will definitely be at church. And so I want to encourage you to be here for that. But uh, why don't you turn, your, turn in whatever copy of God's Word you have, turn or click to Exodus chapter 30. And if you don't have a Bible or you don't know where Exodus is, don't worry. We're going to put everything on the screen so you can follow along. And I want to share a word uh, with you from God's Word uh, that I think is so insightful and impactful. It, it is it is certainly challenged and refreshed my soul even, even this morning as I was looking over it, and I, w- I want to share it with you today. And, and I think it is fitting because it is baptism weekend, but yet it's not, it's not, um, it's not just about water baptism at all. Uh, it's about our relationship with God. Uh, Exodus chapter 30. So um, I want to welcome those two watching online. Can we welcome those doing church online today? We're so glad to have you with us in our house campus and college station. We greet you. Always great to have you. Exodus chapter 30. Um, what's going on? Well, uh, Moses has delivered Israel from Egypt and they have crossed the Red Sea. And, uh, and now we're about 50 days past Passover. So we know Passover, if you will, Passover is when they left Egypt because that was when the, the, the plague of the death of the firstborn came and, and God told Israel to apply the blood to their doorpost, the blood of a lamb, and the death angel would come. But wherever the death angel would see blood, he would pass over that house right? And, he, and the firstborn would be spared. Now you may think, how mean is God to take the firstborn? But we learned last week, Exodus 13, that every first is the Lord's. So, so that was God's, right? And so you either redeem it or you lose it. So Passover was about redeeming what belonged to the Lord. You belong to the Lord and Passover is about redeeming your life. You will either redeem your life or you will Lose, I feel like I'm already preaching and I haven't even gotten to the text yet. But, but, um, and so at that, of course, Pharaoh's son was, was lost in that. And so Israel is freed and they leave, um, at Passover and they go across or through the Red Sea. And, and now about 50 days past Passover is when we celebrate Pentecost, right? It's another major Jewish feast. Um, and so Pentecost, the first one was at Mount Sinai. So this is where we're at. And then Moses makes several trips up Mount Sinai to meet with God. Some say as many as eight times he ascended Mount Sinai and, and somewhere in the middle he ascends. And that's where we get, um, the 10 commandments and the instructions for this thing called the tabernacle. The tabernacle. And, and I have a graphic. This is a simple layout of the tabernacle that they're going to put up there. Um, and this is, God gave instructions on every piece of furniture, every, everything that's in here. And so this was a, the tabernacle. And so you would come in to the altar, um, of burnt offerings, and that's where the lambs would be sacrificed or the animals would be sacrificed. And then you go to the bronze laver, and that had, it was a basin full of, uh, 
water, uh, and then and that was considered your outer court, and then the next section is your inner court or your holy place. It has a table, showbread, showbread gold lampstand, altar incense, and then in the holiest of holies was the Ark of the Covenant. And, and, and so I want you to have this because in Exodus chapter 30, we're talking about the bronze laver. And that may not sound like an exciting sermon, uh, but when I leave here today, you're going to thank God for that thing. And, and you're going to be preaching about the bronze laver and lunch and dinner and breakfast for the whole week. All right, are you with me? And so I want to talk about this, this, bronze, this bronze laver. And so, so Exodus chapter 30, verse 17, it says, The Lord said to Moses, You shall make a basin of bronze with its stand of bronze for washing. And you shall put it between the tent of meeting Right, so that's that's that other tent where it has the holy place, the most holy place, or the inner court. Holy place is referred to different ways by different people. And you shall put water in it. Everybody say water. water. With which Aaron and his sons, those were the priests, shall wash their hands and their feet when they go into the tent of meeting, or when they come near the altar to minister to burn a food offering to the Lord. They shall wash with water, so they may not die. They shall wash their hands and their feet so they may not die. And it shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and to his offspring throughout their generations. Can we pray for just a moment? Father, thank you so much for your work. And God, every word in, 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 your, in your book points to Jesus. And every word says something about us. And God, today we want to hear your word speak to us about who you are and what you've done for us and who we are because of what you've done for us. So give us ears to hear and a mind that is focused and a heart that is perceptive in Jesus name. Amen. So there's this laver. So, so there's the altar and the laver and then the holy place and the most holy place. And he gives us instructions. Now, what I love about the tabernacle is I could take you through the whole tabernacle and every part of the tabernacle you see Jesus in because he is the, he is the burnt offering, right, that was offered um, for us. He's the lamb that was slain, right? And, and then when we get to, to the laver, he is actually the word, or, or we'll see in a minute, the word that washes us or the water that purifies, that cleanses us. And, and then if we, if we were to go um, into the holy place, he is the, the lampstand that illuminates truth to us. And, and he is the bread of life, the table of showbread, right? And then the altar of incense, like, like he is what we worship. And he is the way into the very presence of God. So every part of this could point to Jesus. I also like like the symbolisms that, that, that the altar is salvation and the basin is water baptism, right? And then you go in and you're anointed with oil by the Holy Spirit and then you go into the presence of God. And so there are so many symbolisms in these furnishings um, that it's incredible. And, and I want to talk just basically about the labor. And so if you're taking notes, three things that, that I want you to, to write down um, that you could take with you today that I think could be life altering if you really let the truth of God's word penetrate deep into your soul. And that is this. The first one is this, write this, write this down. The blood redeems, but the water cleans. The blood redeems, but, but the water cleans. And we need to understand that we need, we need the altar because we are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. But that wasn't the end. Like there, there's more to it. 
right? God has more for you because after you're redeemed, then you go to the labor. And I know you may be thinking, well, this is Aaron and he's a priest and I'm not a priest. No, no, no. You're a kingdom of priests. According to the new Testament, you're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation chosen by God for him to show his power and works through. Believe it or not, you're not a people waiting to die and go to heaven. You're the priest of God, the sons of God, the heirs of salvation who have been sent to represent the kingdom of God in this earth. And so it's the blood that redeems. Here's what I love. Um, Verse 30, um, chapter 19, we just read it, but it said Aaron's and sons shall wash their hands and their feet. I want you to think about this because if if the priests were doing their job, they would take the animal, and and I don't want to get too, too gruesome here, but they would slit its throat, and the blood would drain out. And so for all these sacrifices, this wasn't a very clean process because they would get blood all over their hands and their feet. And then God said, then I want you to go to the basin and I want you to wash off. Have you ever been saved, but you still felt guilty? That must be why he gave us a laver because that's where they would wash the guilt and the shame and the judgment of that blood that was on their hands. Because remember, it was us. It was us that put Jesus on a cross. It was our sin that nailed him to that tree. It was his love that held him there. And I wonder sometimes if if we're not saved, but we still have memories. And we're not saved, but we but we still have attitudes. And we're saved, but but we're still wrestling with with failures and things and sins and things that we did. And I wonder what it's like to be saved but still feel judged or be saved and still feel condemned. And wouldn't it be great that if I am saved by grace alone, and that's what the New Testament says, if I am saved, but yet I am still feeling guilty or still feeling the effects or I've still got some memories, wouldn't it be great if there was a place to go where I could wash off the guilt and the shame and the condemnation and the judgment? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great if I had a labor? Ephesians 5.26 says that, they may, that he may sanctify her. That's talking about us, the bride of Christ. That he may sanctify us, having cleansed us by the washing of water with the word. Two things I love. Number one, Jesus is the word, and the word cleanses. So we have the word of God, but then Jesus in the beginning was the word right? So Jesus, that's John 1, by the way. So Jesus is the word and the word is the word and the word cleanses us. That God has given us his word. to Psalm 119 said, how can a young man cleanse his way? By holding to your words. I love this because they wash their hands and they wash their feet. Their hands and their feet. And I got to thinking about that. I was like, okay, hands, Hands and feet. Like, Lord, why the hands? Why the feet? The hands. And I realized he washed their hands because that was symbolic of what they had done. Like he was cleansing what they had done. The acts that they had committed. The sin. 
what they had done. And then he wanted to wash their feet because he wanted to cleanse where they had been. Where they had gone without him. Where they had all like sheep gone astray and turned everyone to their own way. And I love this because after the altar, Jesus says that, that my blood has redeemed you. But now I want to wash the guilt away from the things you have done. Because we still did them, didn't we? And we still remember them, don't we? And, and Jesus wants us to be so free that even after he has paid for the sin we committed, he will purify us from the sin that we committed. And he will wash away what we've done and allow us. Look at this. What did Paul say? Walk in newness of life. That, that God just, God, listen, God's not a fixer upper. He's a creator of new things. Are you with me? Like God has never done an extreme, uh, extreme person makeover. No, he has made us new. He has created us new we are new creations in him and he gives us a new way to live and a new walk to walk and it doesn't matter where we've been and it doesn't matter what we've done that Jesus redeemed us from it and he doesn't want us to stay stuck at the altar lamenting over our guilt and over our shame and where we've gone and where we've been and so he takes us to the labor and he says let me wash you and sanctify you and cleanse you 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1, it says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Look at this. From every defilement of the body and the spirit. Every defilement of the body and the spirit. Bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. I got a question for you. Because I know how to cleanse my body. Julie buys me this really cool soap. And a loofah. Oh, yeah, I'm a manly man with a loofah. Don't judge my loofah. I like that thing. It scrubs. Because sometimes you just need to feel like you're getting everything clean. Are you with me? If you've been working or you've been hunting or you've been fishing and you got some smell, you want something not just, not just, no, no, I want something that does some work. I know how to cleanse the body. But what kind of soap do you use for your soul? Because wouldn't it be sad to be clean on the outside and to feel so dirty on the inside? And then wouldn't it be hard to serve God knowing that you were redeemed by the blood and knowing you know how to clean up on the outside, but knowing how jacked up you are on the inside? Wouldn't it be a shame if you learned how to look churchy and act churchy and sing churchy? You didn't come to help me preach this morning, did you? You, you came to watch people be baptized, but you didn't come to help me preach. Wouldn't it be sad if we knew how to clap and how to sing and how to say blessed and highly favored and the whole time in worship, we're still feeling guilty about our soul and we're still struggling with thoughts in our minds and we're still struggling with attitudes of the heart. Oh, nobody's ever been there. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. 
And wouldn't it be amazing grace if God had a way not only to clean me up on the outside, but to clean clean me up on the inside and to bathe my soul and to bathe my mind and to bathe my heart so that I could think like him, so that I could love like him, so that I could even feel like he wants me to feel like I know that he is with me. Wouldn't that be... Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Look at, look at Hebrews 10, 22. Let me show you this because, see, God, you have to understand, God did all of this because he wants you. If he didn't want you, he didn't need to do any of this, right? And God is trying to get you into the holy place. He's trying to get you into the prayer that you would come boldly. Where's the holy place in the New Testament? Well, it's right there in Hebrews that we would come boldly to the throne room of grace and receive mercy in times that we need it the most. Are you with me? And God is trying to convince you that you can come to him. And in order to do that, he's got to convince you that you're clean. And he's got to convince you that you being clean doesn't have to do with you. It has to do with Jesus. Because a lot of people are not drawing near to God because you still think you're trying to make yourself clean. And you have bathed until you've nearly scrubbed the skin off your body, but you still feel dirty on the inside. I feel like this is an extraordinary message. Are you with me? And God is trying to convince you that you are clean by the words that Jesus spoke, right? Because that's what he said, that he has sanctified us by his truth, that, that he is the laver. He, he is the lamb and he is the laver. And he has redeemed us and he has cleaned us so we can go into the presence of God. Okay, now Hebrews 10, 22. I, got, I had to get you ready for it. I want to make sure. Let us draw near to God with a true heart. Look at this. In full assurance. God, he wants you to have full assurance. So you'll draw near. He wants you completely convinced. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Look at this. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil. He wants to wash me on the inside. He wants to wash me. He wants me to be more conscious of his righteousness than I am of my sin. And our bodies washed with pure water. This is talking about the water again. And this is what Jesus is saying, that he became sin so that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ. But when I am more convinced of my sin than he making me righteous, I'll stand back here at the altar lamenting over the blood that's on my hands and the blood that's on my feet when he's trying to get me into his presence in the holiest of holies. And so he built me a process, right? He built me the altar and then the labor to say, here is where Jesus redeemed you, but here is where Jesus will clean you so you can go into the presence of God. People say all the time, if you're under grace, do you need to confess sin? Yeah, you know what? You want to know why? Because when we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive it. That's true. But also because when I confess sin, his word starts washing my conscience again. And it starts washing off guilt. And it starts washing the blood off what I did and the blood off where I've been. And he starts cleaning me up. Why? Now, am I clean? Yes. Why? Jesus made me clean. But, but it's not enough for God to know he made you clean. You have to know God made you clean. Because if you don't know you've been cleaned, you'll never go into the presence of God. So it's the blood that redeems. I got to go on, but that's good. It's the blood that redeems, but it's the water that cleans. Here's the second thing you would write down. This is probably my favorite point. 
but the last one's really good, but I love this one right here because it says, the one who designed me is the only one who can define me. That just, I could just go on a point three right there. That the one who, because here's what I love about this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump, guys, to Exodus 38, verse 8. Exodus 38, verse 8, it says, this is talking about the basin. And this is talking, it's another scripture about how it was made. But he said, this, this is how it was made. He made the basin of bronze and a stand of bronze. Look at this. What were they made out of? From the mirrors of the ministering women who ministered in the entrance of the tent of meeting. So what was the basin made out of? Mirrors. Now you may be thinking, how do you make a basin out of mirrors? Well, their mirrors weren't glass. Their mirrors were bronze that had been refined in fire and beaten until it would reflect an image. And so when God got ready, when God got ready to build this laver, he wanted it built out of mirrors. I wonder why. Maybe it's because we live according to how we see ourselves. I mean, isn't that kind of true? In fact, doesn't the Bible say, as a man thinks in his heart? I have a tendency to live my life relating to others and relating to God based on how I see myself. In fact, my image is so important to me, I'll work really hard to try to manipulate how you see me. We call that Instagram. Sorry. But isn't that kind of true that, that there's a way I want you to see me, and sometimes the way that I want you to see me is about you not seeing what I see in the mirror. I think we ought to just be honest since we're here. Is this not true that, that you can look in a mirror and see something about you and think, I don't like the man in the mirror? Thank you, Michael Jackson. I need him to change his ways. No message could be any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, just look at yourself and then make a change. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> y'all stop it. I'm trying to preach. Stop it. You're distracting me and I have ADD and I'm trying to preach. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we relate to others based on how we think they see us. Isn't that true? I mean, we, we kind of think, well, I, I don't think they like me, or I think they would like me if I would do this, or wear that, or act this way, or isn't it crazy how we, will, how we will even try to find our reflection in other people? who did not form us in our mother's womb, who did not design us, who did not breathe life into us, who did not create us for a purpose and anoint us with a calling, and yet we will try to find our reflection in them. 
And what God tells Israel is, here's what I'm going to need you to do. I'm going to need you to trade in how you see yourself. Where did they get these mirrors? From Egypt. What happens when I allow my enemy to be my reflection? What happens when I'm looking at my mistake and trying to find my reflection? What happens when I'm staring in my sin and I think my reflection that I see in... What happens when my reflection's only showing me my flaws? And if you weren't the enemy, or if you were the enemy, and you knew creation was awaiting, according to Romans 8, the revealing of the sons of God, then wouldn't you want to make sure that they never saw who they were? And so maybe you would just constantly remind them of their slavery. Constantly, when they're looking in the mirror, think about this, they're looking in the mirror of slavery. And what God says is you'll never be a son finding your reflection in slavery. Because what happens when I try to find my reflection in my failure, in my flaw, and in my sin? Or what happens when I try to find my reflection in my perception of how someone else is seeing me? Can I tell you not, not everyone's acceptance is a blessing? Because most people will accept you based on how they want you to be. And that may not be truly who God made you to be. What happens when I'm trying to see my reflection in Instagram? Because it doesn't matter how many likes I get if I don't like myself. And I may be able to put a post out there or, 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 or filter an image and put it out there and get a thousand likes. But when I get up in the morning, if I'm still looking at something and I don't like the reflection, it doesn't matter how many likes that I got. And God said, I want you to trade in slave mirrors. But ooh, think about this. If you're a priest, hold up, you're going to like this. If you're a priest and you just slaughtered animals and you have blood all over your hands and feet, and then you go to a basin and you put your hands and feet, now I have blood in the water, and now when I look to the bottom and see the mirror, my reflection is coming back to me through the blood. That the one who designed me is the only one who gets to define me. Are you with me? I call, I call this message reimagined, reimagine your reflection. You may just need to tell somebody that. Hey, reimagine, re-image 
your reflection because you've been looking in the wrong places to see who you are. And you were looking in a relationship and you were looking in a promotion and you were looking at a bank account and you were looking at what you did last summer and the mistakes that you made and the sin and the maybe the truth is the problem is not your image. The problem is your perception of it. And God is wanting to give you a new perception. Reimagine your image. Are you with me? See your image through the blood of Jesus that he has washed away every guilt. And if I'm hoping, you know what I was praying for this weekend? I was praying you would have a Lion King moment. (laughs) Seriously, because there's that part where Simba goes to look in the water. All you Disney haters are going to be mad, but I'm about to preach Lion King to you. But he looks in the water because the monkey with the the paint on tells him to. (laughs) Maybe I'm just the monkey with the paint on today. But I'd like you to look in the water. He says, look in the water because he wants him to see his father in his. And he looks in the water. He's like, I can't see. And he's like, no, you're not looking clear enough. You're not, you're not folk. And then all of a sudden he sees Mufasa, even though it's Simba. Looking in, I wish somebody would look in the water today and see your father. See him to, because he designed you so he can define you. And don't find your reflection in any mistake or any relationship or any other thing you're pursuing. Find your reflection in him. <laughs> what did Paul say is beholding? The glory of God in a mirror. We're changed into that same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. The reason our reflection matters is because you become like what you behold. And the reason we want the right reflection, we want to find our reflection in him and in his blood and in his water, if you will, is because we want to make sure that the only one defining us, because whatever influences you will try to identify you. And so maybe the problem today is not your image. You were made in the image of God. Maybe it's just your reflection. It's your perception of what you're seeing. And we want to make sure we find that. Here's the, here's the last thing. And I felt this so strongly. The water is the way to the next dimension. Oh, you got to get this one. Because the rest was good preaching, but this is a word for somebody. The water is the way to the next dimension. Look at this Exodus 30, 21, and it says, They shall wash their hands and their feet so they may not die. And then it says this, It's going to be a statute forever to them even to him and his offspring throughout their generation. So now, listen, listen. Now we're not even talking about a law. We're talking about a principle. We're talking about a principle. And now we're a kingdom of priests. So now we're talking about us and a principle for us. Do you understand that water is always a transition to something greater from one dimension to another. Like 
when you were in your mother's stomach, were you not in water? And didn't that water have to break for you to come into this dimension of understanding and reality? That, that water is, it's a, it's a transition. Think about this. Israel leaves, Israel leaves Egypt. Now, here's what you know, probably, if you studied it. There was a way to get from Egypt to the Jordan without going through the Red Sea. God, in fact, he had to lead them around to go through the Red Sea. But he wanted them to pass through the water in the transition from slavery to sonship. From worthlessness to worship. From, from bondage to blessing. Oh, I can keep going. And so he brought them he brought them through the water. In fact, in fact, look at this. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1, it says, For I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Is that verse 2? And all were baptized. Now we're talking about water baptism because that's the water. Baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Isn't it true? Think about this. From captivity to freedom, pass through the Red Sea. From the wilderness to the wonderland, pass through the Jordan. That, that water seems to be a transition for us to a new dimension. Now go back to, to, to the tabernacle. There's the altar where, where blood is shed, salvation. Then there's the basin which purifies. Why? So I can go into the holy place. See, God is trying to get me somewhere, and water is always the transition point between where I am and the dimension that God is wanting me to live out, the faith that he has called me to, the, the calling that, that he has given me, the purpose that he has provided for me, that, that, that water is, is the transition. And so they could have gone the other way, but God took them through the water. There was Passover, that was the blood, then there was the Red Sea, that was the labor. Now you want some good news? Pharaoh could not, they're in, oh man, they're enemies. Because <laughs> I know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I live with a constant spoiler alert. <laughs> Passover was the blood. The Red Sea was the labor. Their enemies couldn't come through the Red Sea because you can't go through the water till you've been covered by the blood. <laughs> and a lot of times, if we don't go through the water, we don't get to drown out some of those enemies that are trying to tell us who we are and where we belong and what we should think and what we shouldn't think about ourselves and what we should be able to do and what we shouldn't be able to do. And if, and if we don't get through the water and leave them on the other side of the water, we'll stay stuck with their perception and we'll stay stuck with them wanting to put us back in slavery. But, but because, we're, because we're covered with the blood, we can pass through the water and then God will use the water that 
that cleansed us to drown our enemies in. Oh, that's good preaching. Water's a transition. Think about Jesus. Think about Jesus. Jesus is walking up to see John the Baptist. And John looks at him and says something. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All right? So Jesus is walking up to be baptized. And John calls him the Lamb. And then Jesus said, I need you to baptize me. And John says, not me, Lord. No, I'm not worthy to lace your Jordans. Y'all remember? I mean, that's, that's a different version. But, but contextually, it's the same. Like, I would lace up your J's, but I am not worthy for that. And Jesus said, it has to be done so that all things would be fulfilled. Because he knew everyone needs to pass through the water. Now, when he was in the water, or before he came to the water, he was called what? I told you. What was he called? John called him the... Then he gets in the water. And John pushes him under. And then he comes up. And there is a voice from heaven as the Holy Spirit descends on him and remains. And that voice says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Before the water, he was a lamb. The water is the way to the next dimension. Before the water, he was the... After the water, he was the... Son of God, beloved. And I just feel like God has a transition for some people in this room. That you maybe were standing on this side of the water. Maybe you didn't even realize, maybe you've been baptized, you didn't even realize what the water was. But you've been standing on this side of the water. And your enemies are trying to give you a reflection of who you are, right? And they're trying to tell you about who you are. And they're trying to define you. But God has a new dimension for you. He's trying to get you into the holy place. He's trying to get you into his presence. He's trying, listen, think about this. Jesus was a high priest, but before he could start his work, he had to pass through the... And I just wonder how many of you, God has a calling and a purpose and a destiny. He has a whole new dimension of faith for you, a whole new dimension of identity and understanding for you. But in order to get there, you got to pass through the... The water is the way to the next dimension. God wants you to reimagine your reflection. He wants you to see your reflection through the blood, through the blood of the Lamb slain for you. He wants you to turn in the mirrors of slavery and find your reflection in him he wants you to see you 
how he sees you. Today's baptism weekend. And and I think this message is good for anyone. But if I were being water baptized today, I'd want this to be preached right before. Because some people are going to pass through the water. And their enemies are going to be drowned. And they're going to trade in their mirrors. And they're going to see themselves. And their consciences are going to be cleaned. But not only that, they're going to step into a completely new dimension. Now today we have a lot of people who are signed up, registered, we call it, to be water baptized. But there may be some people in this room that you may need to be water baptized and you didn't sign up. And I want you to know we're already ready for you. We have clothes for you. We have towels for you. We have places to change. We got, we got everything that you need so that you can pass through the water if that's what you need to do today. And so I don't want anybody sitting here, well, I didn't plan to get baptized and I didn't put on my, my waterproof mascara. It's okay. It's okay. Because remember, that water gets a little messy. Because that water seems to wash off all the dirt. It even seems to wash off the bad reflections. And so it's okay if you don't have your waterproof stuff on. We're going to love you anyway. Right? But if you need to be water baptized today, I'm going to ask you to take that up with God. Not to listen to me, but say, God, is that the step that I need to take today? And if it is, just know we are prepared. You can go right out these doors after you get your children. I'm supposed to tell you that. Go right out these doors and go down. And and we baptize through immersion, which is we put you under the water and we bring you all the way under, all the way back out. We always bring you all the way back out. We've never lost, we have never lost anyone in this pool. It's not that big. But we baptize that way because that's just the way Jesus was baptized. And the word baptism means to immerse. And so that's the way we baptize. And I know some people always say, well, you know, I was baptized or my parents had me baptized, you know, as a baby um, in, 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 in a particular church or whatever. And what I was, and, and you feel like maybe that would be dishonoring to be baptized after your parents had you baptized. And what I would say is that baptism was probably for them, about them dedicating you to the Lord. And I think the best way to honor that is now that you know what it means, you choose to go back in the tank yourself and let God wash you and cleanse you and purify you and raise you up in newness of life and give you clean hands and a pure heart and 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 clean off the feet of everywhere you've been and let you walk in newness of life. And so I just want to encourage you today, if you need to take the next step of water baptism, I don't want you to hesitate. I want you to go. We're prepared for you. We would love to celebrate that with you. And if you're if you're not going to be baptized today, go celebrate with all those who are. Amen. But but I just feel like there's people need to pass through the water today. And maybe there's some people that you've been baptized and and you just didn't know that's what it was. And and you may or may not choose to be baptized again. Some people said, how many times can I be baptized? I'd say as many as it takes. You know, the thing about the laver, every other piece of furniture had very explicit instructions on measurements, not the laver. There was, there was no instruction about size. In fact, in Solomon's temple, he made it humongous way big and I think it's because you wash until you feel clean so you you take as much water and as much time as you need and so today if if that's what you need to do we want to celebrate with you I'm going to ask you to stand can you give God praise for his word to us today